Hey, hey. What's up, everyone? We are live and Joey's in his underwear. Oh, you're such a jerk. <laughs> oh, welcome to the couch date. <laughs> Get in your undies. tonight. If you're listening to this in your cubicle at work, just get a double a double dog dare you. No. <laughs> get in your undies. Uh-uh. If someone asks why. No. Just say, Mm-mm. I was listening to a podcast and they dared me. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, oh, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was just going to say, yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so glad you're here at the pod the date episode 18 yeah uh yeah yeah this is episode 18 it's been a rough um past episodes yeah it's been a a while it's been a minute it's been a while because we had a couple weeks we were busy and then a week where the podcast we tried to Dude, just didn't work out. We were fighting this and that. Yeah. Mostly just tired. Well, we have had a long past couple weeks because of sickness. Um, yeah. Because of other things happening in our church community and things like that. So just, it's been a, it's been a rough one. But tonight was really rad. Yeah. So today we are recording on June twenty seventh, Tuesday. This is the last week of school for our kids in the Seattle School District um, because there was a teacher strike in the beginning of the f- school year for yeah. better pay. Which, dude, I'm all for that. I'm yeah, for but that. they have to end school on the thirtieth. Instead of like a week ago or whatever that they would have normally ended on. Mm-hmm. So that's honestly good and bad. It's not a big deal. At the age that they're at, it's not a big deal. Yeah, 100%. Because it's honestly just easier having them in school anyway. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's like, it's fine. Right. But today was really cool because it was our oldest uh, elementary graduation graduating fifth grade Mm -hmm. so it was really really fun really special it was super special he's been at this school since first grade yeah and he's made some really good friends which is cool yeah he's off to middle school oh my god that's crazy we have a middle schooler now yeah Oh my gosh, when you were, well, you were homeschooled, but when you were going into your teenage years, um, what were some of the things happening in your life at that time? Everything. (laughs) Everything. No, like 12 to 15 was like the bulk of my events and trauma and just everything. Oh my God. So that age is like super intense. Super intense. Yeah. It's like one of those things where like, you know when you're really tired at night and like you're way past your bedtime, you're hanging out with your significant other or some friends 
and you act a fool, you say some things, and then you wake up the next day and you're like, <laughs> was that a dream? Did I dream all of that? That's what those early teenage years are like. Oh like you get out of that sort of hazy time of your life and then you look back and be yeah. like, was I, did I? Yeah. What what even happened then? It's almost like I I think I think everyone at that everyone at that time going through those phases, they should go off to like boarding school or something. <laughs> no. They should okay, let's go even more extreme. They should all get frozen. Okay. And that, actually no, that won't work because they'll still have to go through purity. Oh, wait, why would they get frozen? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> trying to think. Well, I'm not. I'm not tracking with this. But a lot of things happened for you at that time. Yeah, hundred percent. When I was 13, I lived in a tent. <laughs> so, <laughs> can you ease into that for people? <laughs> well, I mean. So can we clarify? You weren't homeless. I'm not. Not literally, I guess. I mean, I some might qualify that as a type of homeless. I never saw myself as homeless, but to some people, hazy season. In some people's perspectives, they could consider that homeless. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was um, my family lived in a single wide, like mobile, and there was five of us no one it's like a one bedroom so two people were in the like living room and there just was like not quite enough room for everyone in the house even on the floor i'm not following your math (laughs) well there's my parents in the bedroom okay and then like two people in the but you said five people yeah yeah yeah. and so there's just like one extra who can't fit okay like two people could fit in the living room on the or one person could be on the couch And then you could be on the floor or something. But even the floor space, there just wasn't enough space. Oh, my God. So even just if you were to sleep on the floor, there's just like not enough space. Wow. So that's why my parents bought us a huge tent. It's one of those like huge Costco, whatever at the time, like room tents. Hmm. I had two rooms, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, me and my brother slept in the room tent outside wow and we so we we didn't live in it like we were able to go inside and Mm. you know hang out inside but we just would sleep out Mm. in the tent Mm -hmm. um but that was really only for like a few months it wasn't like for a long long time Hmm. yeah yeah that was third i think 13 when i did that yeah wow from my perspective i thought it was fun i did i wasn't like sad about it i thought it was a good time but I get I get those like you know those bugs that are called earwigs. Yeah. I'd get a bunch of those like in my uh, stuff sometimes though. Oh my gosh. I didn't like the bugs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Goodness gracious. But I mean, honestly, I thought it was fun though. Mm-hmm. It's like camping. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And you were homeschooled. And I was homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. 
it's weird going to stuff like this, like Makai's graduation, things like this at the schools, because I've never gone. I've never gone to any before. Wow. I've never been to an elementary graduation. Wow. I've never experienced most of the things that they do. They're, I'm experiencing them too for the, for first, the first time. For the first time. So that's why a lot of times I'm like really, I'm maybe more like kind of into it in a sense. Yeah. Cause I'm like experiencing it too for the first time. Yeah. So. I also think our generation though, I know I didn't have a fifth grade graduation. Yeah, I wonder when that started because they have done it for a while now, though. Well, yeah, but it's but been it a minute since we've been in elementary. Right, now. it's been a long so time. it wasn't a thing when you were in elementary. No, did they give you anything? Did they even maybe they had a classroom one? I'm sure there they was probably like had a classroom a, one. I'm sure there was some type of like fifth grade party or something. Yeah, like a, but it wasn't like, like a graduation. Party. Like the at Makai's graduation, they had the kids line up. And then they called, the principal called all of the graduates, fifth grade graduates by name, and they walked up and there were three fifth grade teachers. So they would shake hands of the teachers who wasn't their teachers. Mm-hmm. And then they would like get a diploma. Mm-hmm. It was actually just a certificate, but they would have got a certificate from their teacher and then they would take a picture from their teacher like a senior graduation, like yeah. a high school senior graduation. Yeah. So really interesting. I thought it was so cool. I think stuff like that is really cool. I think that um, like I think sometimes they're a little bit too much. Like I've always thought preschool ones were like, a little silly <laughs> but it's honestly like i think it's really good and healthy to like celebrate yeah and like make it a big deal yeah because the kids see that and feel accomplished and it gives them like confidence it gives them confidence. They're like, I did that. Yeah. That was like a big deal, I guess. They, uh-huh. didn't, they didn't, like if you don't make it a big deal, they wouldn't necessarily have thought about it. But you make it a big deal, like, oh my gosh, you you know, you graduated elementary. Now you can graduate middle school. You know, like now you can graduate high school. It's like, it's like they have the confidence to keep going. Right. Or to like feel like it was a good, fun thing and like a, they're proud of themselves. Right. So I think that it like helps motivate kids to continue in school i think cynicism would say something very sarcastic like woo you graduated fifth grade great job (laughs) yeah like you can't not (laughs) like well you can (laughs) right but you you can but it's like pretty darn hard it's very hard too yeah 100 percent. so like Like if you go every day and you try your best like you'll graduate fifth grade but that's not the point Right. The point isn't to like congratulate them on doing something that isn't very hard. Yeah. The point is just to celebrate people. Yeah. It's more like a birthday or something where like they didn't do anything. They're just a, older, but you're just like taking the time to celebrate I th- them. I think uh, Westerners are awful at celebrating. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I, and even at celebrations like that, 
everyone's still very like stoic yeah they're very like serious and calm yeah 100 percent. we kind of got people to be louder yes at the graduation when we were like every kid that would come out that we we didn't know everyone's names but we knew a lot of the kids everyone that we would remember their names we were like yelling their names and all the parents look kept looking at us like (laughs) but then they were like they caught on and like everyone was kind of getting more loud Mm -hmm. and it's like we were able to kind of rile up the crowd yeah because people just don't know how to have fun yeah and don't know how to celebrate yeah be like be big so what is it (laughs) from your perspective as a white westerner yeah that's me (laughs) what is it about celebrating that be like that is so difficult like why stoicism why uh choosing the like calmer side the more you know like pulled back side for me there's a few things that happen one thing is i don't think of it it doesn't cross my mind i'm sitting there and i'm like this is what's going on and i'm taking it in it doesn't cross my mind to be like hey i should i should be loud and go woo that just doesn't cross my mind yeah it's not natural to me yeah i'm just observing and being like this is nice Uh uh-huh so that's one thing that happens sometimes it just doesn't cross my mind i don't think of it yeah and then when someone else does it i'll be like oh that's a cool idea i'll do that too you know like but it doesn't cross my mind naturally to do it yeah the other thing is sometimes i think too much about the rules and I'll be like I don't know if I'm allowed to cheer oh I don't know if I'm allowed to stand up I don't know if I'm allowed to mm. you know kind of get out of my seat and be like high five mm. I don't know if I'm gonna like break the rules or disturb the way that the flow is happening and I don't want to like make a disruption mm. so I'm kind of like afraid sometimes of disrupting what's supposed to happen and I don't want to like get in the way is that partly like you don't want to look like a fool? No. Okay. It's just, to me, it's like respect. Got it, got it, got it, Like, got I it. just want to respect what's happening, and I don't want to be, like, loud and make it about me. Yes. Um, And disrupt what they're trying to have happen. But then sometimes the perspective is, like, when I see someone else do it, I'm like, oh, that's good, like, that's fun, like, that's not disruptive. But that's sometimes what causes me to like hold back and wait is like, I don't know if it's going to be disruptive until Mm -hmm. I see it done. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's not, that's a good thing. It's helping everyone get in the right mood. You know, it's not taking away. Right. So that can kind of like be hard for me to figure out naturally. Yeah. When's it appropriate and when's it not? Yeah. Um, And a lot of cultures like, Islander culture um, and many others are like good at just like being loud and being a party mm-hmm. and knowing how to like praise and honor people and like make them spe- feel special. Um, that I just try to learn from, you know, like yeah. I, I try to learn from you, but that's not natural to me. Mm-hmm. I would say it's true, especially for like Pacific Islander cultures, uh, like Hawaii or Guam um, or the 
the Philippines, um, I can't speak for any others, but those cultures I know are really rooted in respect. Mm-hmm. So there is this like idea like we have a good read on the room that when it's time to like sit down and shut up, yeah. like, we're going to be respectful of what's taking place in the room. But then when it's time to celebrate, yeah, we let loose because it's time to celebrate. And right. it's almost like when you think of, um, like there's good examples of this. A good example of this would be um, golf. No, 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 tennis. Uh-huh. And how people celebrate, like fans celebrate in tennis versus basketball and how fans celebrate in basketball. Like yeah. if you look at like a high school or in the NBA, when people like do when a player does a crazy move, everybody jumps on each other and yells and laughs, and then it la- like there's a wake of that. Like after the play, like people will keep joking about that and like whatnot, and like there is this like uh, electricity mm-hmm. that's happening in the room, whereas a sport like tennis. That's very proper, mm-hmm. very etiquette. When people clap, I mean, when people score, they'll just clap yeah. and then they quiet down. However, tennis in the past couple of years has been changing. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's becoming a bit more rowdy and they're allowing it. Typically, like, you know, the dude sitting on that like 10 foot. Yeah, the lifeguard chair. The, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he's sitting up there. Like, who the... It's, it's a better view for probably calling the lines that, I'm or sure, yeah. But only, like... I'm thinking, like, only narcissists would want to be refs in tennis because they're <laughs> elevated so high up. And it's about that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, yeah. Will you put your boob away? Stop. <laughs> That's not nice. That's not nice on the date. My Don't bad. Don't call me out my like bad, that. My bad, my bad, my bad. Because I have an itch. But Jeez. for real, I have always, like even uh, like way before you, when I would celebrate and someone I didn't know, like a stranger, would come up to me, come up to me and like our friends and be like, can you guys quiet down? We would get louder. We would get we would get louder because we're not being inappropriate. It's just uncomfortable for them the way that we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. I think uh, there was definitely a an elevation in noise and celebration tonight. Yeah. The more and more that we were celebrating, and um, it it was a good night. How do you deal with hard transition? I just went right into it. That's Didn't fine. give any breathers or anything. How do you typically do with transitions? What do you mean? Like you have a son who is transitioning. Yeah. From a stage of, I mean, from elementary, but that stage often is represents innocence. It represents like they're going to be under your care. Now they're transitioning sort of out of innocence more into like independence and 
yeah. um, all that stuff. But then they're also slowly transit. I mean, it's not going to happen like in a year or three. It's going to be five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. But he's going to tra- start this transition of not being under our care anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is like a big transition. But... In transitions as as a whole, how do you typically? Yeah, I think with like the kids specifically, I've never really had a problem um, with transitions because I'm just not really a. Um, I'm kind of a. Mm, I can't think of the word like. I'm not really like a controlling person or like a controlling mom. Like I'm not like a very like, um, I can't think of a different way to say that. Cause yeah. it's not exactly what I mean, but like I've always just been like wanting them to like get into more and more independent. Yeah. I don't have a desire for them like to not be independent. Yeah. And I've never had that because I don't relate to that idea of like wanting to like keep them close like that. I just, I'm just, not, I'm not really that type of mom. I'm not, I'm not like a natural um, kind of a nurturing, nurturing in general is a little bit like something I've had to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. It's not like natural to me. Um, and I'm not a mom who's like, I need these babies like on me and in like in my bubble and like keep a close eye at all times. Like I'm, I just don't have that. So I think transitions in general, when it comes to them, it's always been pretty easy. It's like, okay, now they're off to this. Now they're off to that. Great. Great. Like I don't have a, I get like emotional because of just like them growing and being proud of them, but yeah. I don't have like a sadness. Yeah. I'm not sad that he's going to uh, to middle school. I'm like proud of him that he's growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, I'm happy about it. I think transition is such an interesting idea. I think it's something that I wish was talked about more in light of our like discipleship with Jesus. Hmm. Um. I think one of the major pro one of the major one of the major roadblocks in our faith journey is often in the times of transition. Like mm. when we leave our house and we get married. Mm. What is like we in the Western church theor- theorize so well. It's very rare that we actually give like hands on um guidance hands-on wisdom like we theorize like you know when you get married here's what you can expect when you you're gonna move out of your house you're gonna have to get a job and you know support each other and then there's theologies and preferred theologies that are thrown in the mix of that but mm-hmm. that is one transition of life that um people don't talk about like in all of in that's in that example of transition 
it's rare that we as Jesus people, especially in the church, talk about, you know, like, what's the transition of going from um, virginity to someone who is engaging in sex regularly? Mm. Um, what's what's the trans? How's that emotionally? How's that spiritually? Mm-hmm. Um, like transition financially? Mm-hmm. Like what about what about kids? Especially where we live in Seattle, there are so many. Not literally, but there are a lot of like quote quote trust fund kids who grown up on daddy's dollar for so long, mm-hmm. and then they go off and you know what is it like to have to support themselves like there's support another person support a family um yeah it reminds me of when we got married and um i had like i don't know how much school debt i had and then my dad was just like here you go (laughs) to you (laughs) right you're like wait what (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's funny But that's just another thing of, like, no one teaches you how to, like, do that. Yeah, no one, no one teaches you. No one, no one sits with you in the transition. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, if you think about a relay race, there's four people in a race. They all run a certain distance. They Mm -hmm. all strategically are placed at a certain spot because they're better at the position one or versus position four. Like they're better at starting than finishing. Yeah. Whatever. But they're, they train as a team. They own their individual section of the race, but there is the transition of the baton. Yeah. Like, and if you just freeze on that transition with the baton, there's hand to hand, there's action to action, but then there's also like, I've done my part. I'm handing this to you. Like there's something intentional. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm looking at. There's intentionality in a really a relay risk. And I thought <laughs> about when your dad handed your hand, like your hand off to me, mm-hmm. it was like, here you go. It was almost like throwing a ball, like <laughs> catch. <laughs> Heads up, buddy. Yeah. And then your mom, I mean, we, I love your parents so much. Your mom was like, when I asked her. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. When I asked her, she said, Here, here's what her response was. Are you sure? Not like. When you asked her what? If, if I could. If I could propose to you. Mm-hmm. Like asking for their, asking for their blessing. Mm-hmm. Your mom was like, are you sure? And I didn't respond. And then she followed up and was like. She's a difficult one. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, and of course, back then, you know, I'm just like thinking I'm on top of the world. I'm free. No kids. Just like living my life, you know. Yeah. No care in the world. And I'm like, of course, of course. I'll, no, fine. This is going to be it's going to be great. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. It's going to be great. Mama, see you. Um, and then after that, it was it. Like that was that was it. Mm-hmm. Like in that, there could have been a transition of being like, okay, here's what, here's how you can care for her heart. Mm-hmm. Here are some of the tendencies that she's had that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Here are some of the things that we've done in response. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I don't know, I don't know how well people would receive that. Yeah. Like how if you know me on the other side, like people on the other side receiving the yeah. teaching, the correction. That's besides the point. I just think like there's so many areas of transition that I think we can do better at. Yeah. For not sure. even not even as Jesus people, but I'm just speaking like outside even just being a human. Yeah. Like I think we could do better at transition. Mm-hmm. Um but thinking through the lens of the church leadership, church leadership, being a Jesus person. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. I never thought about that. It makes me think about like there's a whole bunch of scriptures that are floating through from the Old Testament to like Jesus, like the Gospels, where there were like Jesus spoke to the transition. Mm. Or he spoke and gave them hope for the transition. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not um I've got to go to the right hand of the Father. If I don't, then the spirit won't come. Mm-hmm. And so like there's these little glimpses of like I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a transition where I'm no longer going to be with you. Yeah. But if I don't leave, then the Father won't pour the Spirit out on all of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this glimpse there. There's also times where like Moses to Joshua, where there was transition. There, That's probably one of the best places to look at transition, honestly. Yeah. Um, there was a whole lot of good transition at that point of like Moses transitioning the Israelites, the people of God, which are the Israelites, <laughs> but like lead also the mantle of leadership to Joshua. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. That is really cool. I um, transition doesn't bother me. Like, I got choked up once tonight during the speeches. Mm -hmm. And this beautiful little powerful black girl was speaking. And um, she wasn't even saying emotional things, but her tone and just the way she was presenting. Mm -hmm. It was very emotional to me. Yeah. And it's probably just her culture. Mm. Um, But that got me. And also just being proud proud of her. Never mm-hmm. seen her, her or heard her talk before. But just been like, man, I'm proud of you, girl. Mm-hmm. Getting up and speaking in front of your class and yeah. all these parents and stuff. Um, that got me emotional. But I'm, I'm more of like, I'm rarely, rarely a realist. Mm. But in these times, I'm like, I, I operate as a realist, like in mm-hmm. times of transition. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, dude, fifth grade, graduating, now let's start getting ready for middle school. Um, and here are some things and like prepping him for middle school and whatnot. But. Yeah, I think you're not really, there's, there's only a few things that you're like, 
sentimental about. I think most stuff you're just like more um, practical and just looking ahead. Right. You're not someone who like looks behind ever. Yeah. You never are a person of like memories or like remember when like never never it's always like nostalgia isn't a thing for me really. yeah, yeah you don't have that at all yeah. so you're never like oh the memories like mm-hmm. you never think you're always like yeah let's go what's the next thing yeah like you're not so that alone makes you like just kind of never be a sad person like you're you're not an emotional sad or like nostalgic or sentimental really person because you're always looking forward so you're not really sentimental about things that were Mm -hmm. but there's like only a couple things i think that do get you sometimes Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's I, i don't know if it's times of sentimental or if it's times of just like maybe you could tell me but like i know sometimes when the kids it's like their first day of kindergarten that's big. I feel like that gets you. That's a big but one. But why does it get you? Like, is it sentimental? Is it about mm. them being grown up and like remember when they were a baby? Or like, what is it in that moment that makes that moment? Get I think you? that's a hard transition for me. Mm. I think it, th- that stage is just a difficult one for me to of transition. Uh, like from fifth grade to middle school, I'm just like, yeah. The only difference is you're going to middle school. Yeah. But like, if you were at a private school in the late 1800s or whatever there were no difference you'd still be going to the same school (laughs) yeah like it's the same thing yeah like to me there is no difference i think going into high school will be different because high school is like this is it yeah we'll see yeah we'll see we'll see how you feel we'll see i could see you just being like excited and stoked i think i'm gonna be more excited for yeah because i'm I'm more future-minded but like at his actual high school graduation you will be sentimental oh my gosh that's what i'm saying there's like a few times where i know like you are sentimental yeah like let's say kindergarten first day high school graduation and like their wedding Mm-hmm. like those types having of a baby if yeah, they ever gonna, do do that yeah, yeah like those kind of things are are going to get you but if you can put yourself into those moments or imagine them like where does mm. that's what i'm saying like where does that sentimental come where does that sentimental come from in you is it because of you being proud of them is it because of you being sad in a sense of like Oh, I miss their baby self. Oh like, man, no, that's like it's what I'm not, trying to. It's not missing their baby self. To me, it's being really proud. Mm. So I'm really proud of them. Like I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> He's cheering up. Uh, but it's, I think it's being proud of them, like just being able to be yeah. proud and to be able to share that. Yeah. Like not, um, like there were moments that uh, my father was proud, but not in the way that my mom was. My mom sort of carried the load for both of them. Yeah. Um she's amazing because she has the capacity to do that 
does she want it that way? Probably not. Um, but she has, that's just what it was. Yeah. So it means a lot that I can express my pride mm-hmm. and celebrate how proud I am. Um, so that's a, I think it's partly that, mostly that. I also think being just a Westerner, my frame of mind are like, it's ingrained with stages of life of importance. Yeah. Like these, as a Westerner, someone who lives in America, these are big stages that are important. Yeah. Going, leaving the home, going off to school. And then there's that whole block of like kindergarten through 12. Mm-hmm. You did it. Great. In between K through 12, there it's just like, it's the journey. Yeah. Like going from middle school to high school, it's just like, like I feel like that one's even less sentimental. Like fifth grade graduation for sure. Eighth grade graduation, not necessary. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Um. Like if there is one, yeah, we'll celebrate. But it's just like, why this one? Um. But then finishing 12th grade is a big deal because that not only means you've, you're finishing school, but that's adulthood. You're, yeah, you're not. It's entering into adulthood. Kid anymore. Like no. I graduated at seventeen because my mom and dad put me into school really early, mm-hmm. um, at four and a half. But we put Makai in at essentially five and a half. Six. Oh, at six. Mm-hmm. We put him at six, and yeah. I was four and a half. So he's gonna graduate at almost he, nineteen. He'll be just before he turns nineteen. <laughs> right, and actually, that's really common nowadays yeah when i graduated they were the weirdos yeah who were that old and that there yeah they were like <laughs> were they held back yeah. <laughs> what happened yeah. and like there were some guys who were held or some people who were held back and some others were just like no this is what happened yeah. but nowadays parents actually put their kids in later so it's like yeah. it's more common to graduate at 18 and you're about to turn 19 or whatever yeah but that's going to be Makai. Makai's going to be nearly two years older than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so that dude's not only like going into adult, his ass is an adult. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're adulting, doc. Like, you're 19, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Not 19, that's when I, 19's when I lived as a global missionary. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when my whole life radically changed. Mm-hmm. But I had, at that point, a year and a half outside of high school, figuring stuff out, working, going to college, community college, here and there, et cetera, et cetera. But that's a big transition. And then obviously the next one is like the wedding day. And then after that, it's like having kids if that day comes. Yeah. And then from there, it's just like little things. Like my mom has always really celebrated me. Um like when she finds out I get a promotion she's so stoked and celebrates and that's just part of our culture Mm -hmm. so I feel like there will be little times of like getting stoked about kids promotions and whatever Mm -hmm. whatever yeah but I think it's being the pride yeah just being really proud as a dad um and then also being programmed as a Westerner of like, 
these are big times to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Loading celebration. <laughs> Shit. <You're> so stupid. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, we have about 20 minutes left. All right. I wanted to, if it's okay, mm. um, sort of have some follow up on your teaching. Do you have questions for me? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 no. Well, while we're eating our chocolate chip cookies on this date, mm-hmm. we've been in a teaching series um, through the, song of, uh, the book of Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. And you people need to start stop calling it Song of Solomon because that's actually... That's so hard for me. I, I always... I always write Song of Songs like on my notes, mm. but I still say Song of Solomon when I'm talking mm. and I can't stop. Mm. I try to say Song of Songs. One reason why they do that, I mean, why we do that is because that's just, there's a whole lot, but. Uh, I don't know. Maybe in the NI, was it in the NIV that it was Song of Solomon? So I done, I did a lot of research on that oh. and I put two and two together. Mm-hmm. That's just part of colonization and white evangelicalism and I, this i'm not just throwing out those terms just say that here's essentially what white evangelicalism essentially birthed the purity culture movement uh-huh but part of the purity culture movement within white evangelicalism is like one man one woman oh uh-huh mm. So there's this idea of like marriage is only for one man and one woman for life, mm-hmm. for life mm-hmm. to the day you die. So there's that intermix with purity culture. Um, they tr- white evangelicalism in the 1600s and 1700s wanted to make sense of Song of Songs. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to take some of the, um, I'm trying to think of the words, some of the scandal of mm-hmm. the book. Because in the book, there's nothing that says that they are it's erotic. husband, wife. <laughs> Did you know? There's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, no, yeah. there's no wedding ceremony. There's no, there's no Jewish wearing ceremony. Which, here, here's my argument for people say that they were married is Jewish ceremonies were a big freaking deal. Yeah. And they were week long. So just to so to assume that is fine. But to make that law is not okay. Yeah, so, there's stuff that alludes to like them wanting to get married or like there's dreams she has I think there's a couple dreams that she's mm, getting married. Because mm-hmm. there's a couple where it's, she says, um, I lie in bed, but my heart was awake. And wow. people say that means she's dreaming. Mm. And then it, it continues with what she's saying. So she's having a dream about whatever, whatever. So. Right. Anyway, there's lots of stuff that alludes to like <laughs> wanting to be married or or maybe getting married, but not. Yeah. Like, it's not like they were yet. Yeah. Necessarily. Right. Yeah. And the whole thing of... Song of Songs is, it's not literal, it's poetry. Erotic poetry. It's erotic poetry. But <laughs> poetry was, I mentioned this in the very first time, 
poetry like if we had like a celebration in our community like fourth of july is coming up yeah and everybody not everybody but a lot of people celebrate and they do there's customs to it yeah um there's lighting fireworks there's barbecues there's this or that um like christmas time is a good like example like around christmas time a lot of times people will read like in the in jesus people will read as a family out of like luke 2 or something like that and that's a tradition yeah so there were these cultural events of celebrations that happened in the jewish community yeah and at those sort of festivals it was like a festival at these festivals um or think like a carnival there would be entertainment times and at entertainment times there uh during those entertainment times there would be times of poetry that would be read aloud and song of songs was one that was read aloud during those festivals mm-hmm. it was like a it was entertainment yeah so poetry in the jewish community was cultural entertainment mm-hmm. and so even though like the Song of Songs never says that it was a married couple. Um, when you're reading out loud, it's not the point. The focus isn't on marriage, yeah, right? Right. The, the entertainment as the entertainment of Song of Songs is like this is hella the, erotic and this the love is, story. It's a lo- yeah yeah yeah. It's yeah. a rescue story. It, not so much a rescue story, but it's a, it's a love story yeah. and all that stuff. And yeah. here's what it looks like for healthy love and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyways, white evangelicals in the 1600s, 1700s wanted to make sense of that mystery. Mm -hmm. And so they took away the mystery and said Song of Songs. And so for the past- Song of Solomon, you mean? I mean, Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. So, So for the past several hundred years, People have said Song of Solomon, assuming that it was Solomon and uh, one of Solomon's wives. But Solomon is not even, he's mentioned, but the two lovers of the book, it's not Solomon. Yeah, a lot of people think that that it's more likely it was was two lovers and Solomon was actually in awe. A side character, but not right. Not the two lovers, yeah. Right, right, right. So again, they said they they started calling it Song of Solomon because they're like this type of erotic love is only for one man, one wife, one one woman, husband, mm-hmm. wife. And so let's call it Song of Solomon so that people can read it through the lens of a king and his wife. Mm -hmm. And that's just not how it's done. And I also read, uh, why is it called Song of Songs? Because uh, it's essentially saying like, Jesus is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. He's not king. He is the King of Kings. He's not Lord. He's the Lord of Lords. And so this is essentially saying like, this is not just a song, a poem. This is the poem of all poems. Yeah. The song of all songs. It's a song of songs. Uh 
Greatest. So we've been going through that. Yeah. Stop calling it through Song of Solomon. It's Song of Songs. Yeah. But you taught really good teaching on Sunday. Thank you, babe. Give the people... Really nice. Well, I'm not trying to be nice. It was really good because we're, one, we're trying to be, like, we're trying to teach our people to freely think. Yeah. And you model that so well. Thanks. Um, And I think that's one piece that's so, like, man that's so like encouraging and inspiring Mm. it's not the content but your ability to give people grace and the liberty to think freely Mm -hmm. about the scriptures yeah um like run free with non-essentials yeah keep the essentials essentials but run freely with essential non-essentials so give people give people uh a breakdown of this last Sunday, um, you had well, th- you had three points, but we read over like a bulk of like chapter four, five, six, which not through all of the chapters, but just like parts of sections. I think the last chapter is chapter seven. seven. You, said you got to eight. Eight. Is you got to eight, eight chapters. Yeah, there's Sorry. eight chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read. I read. We read four through eight, but just like sections of it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, my my points were basically that um, our garden, which is, you know, our body, our sexuality, um, our garden is to be, um, is to be delighted in and praised. Um, and you see that, like, clearly throughout song of songs where um there's just constant affirmations back and forth about each other's bodies and i think that it's really valuable i don't think it's something that you just need to like ignore or like glance over but that they're really praising each other's um physical attributes because um i think we we should be delighted in you know Mm. Like we're not made to be ignored. Mm. Like our bodies should be delighted in, and they they should be praised by someone you know who loves us. Wow! And why? Like, I think this is an example for us of of the type of um they they use a lot of garden you know phrases and like the gardener who tends to my garden type of thing and so this is a really good example of a good gardener you know wow who's gonna tend to you properly they're they're gonna they're gonna praise you they're gonna um they're gonna honor your body and praise praise you and delight delight in all your features wow so i think that's like a really cool takeaway from that and then um another one was that our garden is do you remember i know i remember the last one i don't remember the second one what's the Um, last one the last one is we have ownership over our garden Mm. we have ownership i don't remember the second one uh it might come to me but we have ownership over our garden it's very clear that um there's this theme of like my garden 
is mine to give. Um, I will give it to who I want to, you know. And so I think that's a really important thing for us to um, to understand is that we have this um, autonomy and it's there. It's there in the Bible, you know, people. I just I love the fact that this book is right in the middle. Song of Songs is right in the middle of everyone's Bible. (laughs) Whether or not they like erotic poetry or they think it's of the devil, they have an erotic poem Mm -hmm. in their Bible, in their house right now. Mm -hmm. Whether they're the most conservative person on the earth. In every Motel 6. Yeah. In in every church pew, there's some erotic literature. And um, I just love that. And I think that that's because that's God's God's sex positive, um, and we should be too. And I think that um, it's there for a reason. And that we that phrase "My garden is mine to give" is right there in your Bible. And um, she says, "My garden's mine to give," and and I want to you know I want to give it to my lover, mm. you know. And the big thing is that she. You know, I pointed out how she said, like, Solomon, she says, Solomon has a garden and he pays tenants to watch over it. Yeah. But I don't want, you don't need to pay me to watch my garden. I'll pay you to watch my garden because that's how much I want you to tend to my garden. Wow. So she's saying, like, you don't have to pay me, bribe me to get sex from me. I'm not a prostitute. You don't have to pay me. I want to give it to you willingly, so much so that I would even pay you to take it from me. Wow. And that's big. Like she's saying, I don't, I'm not just having sex with you because I have to. I'm not just having sex with you because you're my husband or my lover or my uh, pledge to be married, whoever. Yeah. I'm not just having sex with you because you want to have sex with me. I'm having sex with you because I want to give it to you so much and that um i would even give you money to take to take me wow so that is just like a really that's at the very end of chapter eight you can read it for yourself and i think that's just like a really important piece of enthusiastic consent that's there in the bible as well Mm. of her saying i enthusiastically want to give my body to you Mm. it's not something that you have to pay or bribe me to give you Mm. so that's like was one of my points as well yeah i think it's really cool was there anything that stood out to you about it well yes but before i answer that yeah i wanted to ask were there any things since then that you didn't mention uh, since then that you are like, man, I wish you would have said that or whatnot. Or is there something that you left out that you didn't say uh, or you didn't include because sake of time, whatnot? Um, um, like essentially, what would, is what what do you want to add or what was left out that you want like you wish you could have added? I honestly don't know if there was like I really said I think I said most of what I wanted to say um yeah I really don't think I left anything out 
at the time on Sunday. I'm just trying to remember parts of it. That, yeah, 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 that's my problem right now because mm-hmm. I know there was another another point. Yeah, but no, I didn't. I didn't feel like I left anything out. Hmm. No, I I thought it was so. I thought it was so good because it's it's one just really healthy mm. to be able to walk through with our community and show them essentially like the fullness of what it is to walk as God's people. Mm-hmm. Like so much of what purity culture has done is God wants us to flourish in our in our spirituality in our mission mm-hmm. but then there is this sad part that's been neglected which is our like sexuality mm-hmm. and um, God created us for whatever reason but he did he created us for to as as sexual beings um, mm-hmm. and so much of what our generation is doing now is unlearning a lot of the things that they were taught as a teenager about purity culture, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Or just even the influence of being in a very liberal home. Or to be honest, to be fair as well, I think to be fair, there's the super like a liberal side where it's neglect Mm -hmm. or you're not teaching you're just giving total freedom so much so that you're not teaching like how to care for yourself Mm -hmm. like neglect like you can do whatever you want i don't care Mm -hmm. but there's no care there's no love there's no support Mm -hmm. um and then fill in the blank yeah that was that was something I mentioned as well on right. Sunday. It was about freedom and, um, which is beautiful. Freedom without presence is neglect. Yes. So I believe in sexual freedom. I do. I believe in lots of freedom for lots of things. Uh huh. But what that doesn't mean to me is a spiritual neglect from God. I believe that God gives us freedom because his presence is with us. Hmm. So freedom without presence is neglect. Meaning like if you're just leaving your kids at home or, you know, dropping them off at the store or the park or wherever and being like, all right, you're on your own, have fun, you're free. And you never come back for them. And they're on their own. That's neglect. Yeah. Like to where they are like, well, I don't have any food. I don't have it. I don't know what to do with myself. That's neglect. That's not freedom. Right. But in a sense, they do have full freedom. Yeah. They're fully free. Yeah. They could go wherever they want and do whatever they want. Right. And that's what people think freedom is. Yeah. But the difference is that freedom without presence is neglect. Right. So, so if, if God is not with you then you know if you're or if you are or if you're rejecting god then you are experiencing a freedom with neglect like like 
no one no one there to care for you and help you what i love about that so much is um you have your stances on like so much so much like you're sexually positive you're sexually you have a lot of freedom when it comes to like people's sexuality things like that and that's fine like first of all it's a non-essential mm-hmm. so it's cool for you to have those beliefs as long as you know you're doing things in love and you're teaching things in love and whatnot um wh- what i love about that statement is for someone who isn't quite where you are mm-hmm. i don't know if, i don't think the goal is for me to be where you are yeah um i we agree on we agree very very strongly on the essentials like you and i have strong collaboration on the essentials but when it comes to other things we're actually like becoming very very um kind and graceful in the non-essentials toward each other yeah and there's a lot of things we disagree on and this might be one but here's where i love what here's what i love about that statement of freedom without presence is neglect is even for like let's say i was to sort of affirm sexual positive sexual positivity mm-hmm. at the end of the day as a jesus follower everything of part of who i am should be submitted to his lordship mm-hmm. and i think that's an essential like i think that's a part of the essentials is like is he lord of everything because mm-hmm. if he's and the the old saying is if he's not Lord of everything, that he's not Lord of anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah. Um, and I would say, like, it's fine to be someone who is sexually positive as long as you're living and submitting to the presence of Jesus. Right. Because who knows? Maybe he'll will feel convicted about something later or maybe we won't yeah that's not the point the point is that we're submitted to his presence Mm -hmm. that's the point um and that i can go on a tangent on that all day long yeah yeah but 100 percent, i love that statement because like that's true freedom like we're it's not only freedom for our own flourishing as individuals, but it's flir- It's freedom into something. Yeah. It's freedom into trusting the heart of God. Yeah. Trusting the words of Jesus, the presence of the Spirit. Um, are we yielded? Mm-hmm. Are we demanding freedom be- so that we're no longer yielding? Or are we... Are we looking for freedom in partnership with mm-hmm. the Spirit? And the way you were teaching was on Sunday and even talking about it now is like you're you are driving home the second one. Like there's this reality of like the song in the Song of Songs, there was this freedom that was present between the two. Mm-hmm. But there was a freedom and a presence also. Yeah. And that was where the garden was flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love that. So good. Yeah, I think the big thing is like some people don't want, they don't want the presence. 
you know and that's fine right yeah like that's fine that's their choice that's their choice right so that's not what i'm saying because some people don't want the presence and that's fine that's their choice and i'm not talking to them i'm not talking to those people right i'm talking to the people who want to have the presence yeah and also freedom yeah. you know and like and also understanding those balances and stuff and i'm talking about people who really believe that god wants you to flourish so good because if you don't believe that then that's a whole other thing and like it actually is, i feel like it's got to start there that's a whole yeah that's a whole other problem and like a whole other thing where it's like we can't really go anywhere exactly if you if you the, don't even believe that. That's the engine to the car. Yeah. Like, like if, you can't go anywhere without believing that first. Yeah. And if you don't believe that God wants good for you. Yeah. And flourishing for you, that you would be your happiest. Yeah. That you would be your most fulfilled and joyful self. Yeah. Um, living your best life. Yeah. With God's presence. If you don't believe that, then that alone is is the issue mm. that's the root issue of every other problem you have mm -hmm. like if you were like well i don't know about this theology and i don't know about that theology or what god thinks about this so i don't know if we, it all boils down to like do you really believe that god wants you to flourish and some people would say i don't believe that and that's the, because they were taught that and they were taught that or they just I just don't or they see, haven't I don't come to the place it. of yeah I haven't experienced it I don't get it right but it starts there you have to believe that God wants you to flourish like you have to understand that that's the truth and if you don't understand that and you don't believe it that's fine that's your own journey and like you don't have to listen to anything any of us are saying yeah like that because because that's that's a whole other path. Actually, but, I would say people won't even receive this message, even yeah. if they want to. That's what I until mean. Until they like, unlearn. That's that's a whole other path to yeah. go on. Of like, yeah. if you don't even believe that, that's that's like I said, that's fine because I'm saying like this isn't really going to be helpful. Yeah. For you. Yeah. But if you can start with God wants me to flourish. God wants me to be fulfilled in every way and have my gosh. and live my best life yeah start there then you can know okay so if i'm living in freedom which i am because of the grace of god then if god's presence and his relationship with me his communication to me will lead to my flourishing right so I could do in theory whatever I want. But if I'm, why would I do it? Why would I do this when God's telling me this? Exactly. Because God wants me to thrive. Right. So of course I'm going to go the direction he says because yeah. it's toward thriving. Yeah. Which is what I want, right? I don't yeah. want to be miserable. Yeah. So it's, God doesn't withhold, he's not withholding pleasure. Mm. he's not he's he's withholding um or directing us away from suffering mm. and i think that yeah sometimes we suffer in good and that's just like a whole other that's a whole other thing but i'm talking about overall 
yeah thriving yeah of like our overall self and our overall heart right and body and not just like one moment mm. right like one day of suffering you know like yeah. okay maybe god will lead you into you know a moment of suffering right right but overall you're going to thrive yes for the for the for the overall scope of your life yeah and it makes me think of like ultimately as our lover is our gardener our garden which is our sexuality our body our private parts all of those things that are made for pleasure mm-hmm. um those were created by the true gardener yeah and that, and that reminds me you can finish your thought but that reminds me of a, another thing that i actually didn't say okay on sunday and that that just makes me think like when it comes down to that like ultimately we yield too often we give people the keys to our garden another person the keys to our garden and we're expecting flourishing when we're not submitting our garden to the one who created it and that's hard that's a hard place Hmm. it's a hard like i think about this is taking genesis the creation story way out of context because this is the creation story was not about our sexuality but if you take the images of the creation story and apply it it's like god created the garden placed people in the garden to tend to it and say and then he said create um no he said whatever he said be fruitful be fruitful and multiply yeah. In other words, enjoy, mm-hmm. take pleasure in all of the ways. Yeah. Spiritually. Like, here's what's crazy. Is there, they were before the fall of man, before they rebelled against Yahweh. They were enjoying and they didn't know there was any other choice but enjoying. They, they were partic- partaking in flourishing and didn't have any other reality than mm. flourishing. Mm. Like it was perfection. And there are moments when you and I have been intimate and it's as if it was a taste of that, mm. like a glimpse of that. Like there was this mutual consent, this freedom to enjoy, this take pleasure, mm-hmm. give pleasure, etc. back and forth. And it was as if that in which we experienced, that was, there were no other options. There was no death. There was no trauma. There was no... It was just the purity of mm-hmm. the pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they lived in nonstop. Mm-hmm. And that's what God longs for. Mm-hmm. 
anyways yeah what's your last thought and we'll close on it um what don't tell me what we're gonna do no we're gonna close on it (laughs) (laughs) i'm not telling you one tangent that i wanted to go on on sunday but i didn't um was kind of hitting on what you just said okay um but was that um the metaphor in song of songs over and over again is our garden and my 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 one of my main points was that um freedom without presence is neglect and so god's presence what are you joking with us no okay Wait, what are you talking about <laughs> one of my main points was that <laughs> point and so, i don't know what you're talking about right now well and so 10 minutes ago we like said that point i know over and i'm over again. saying okay. it no no it's good it's good because it's good. i have to say it to, okay. go to what i'm saying i thought you were being facetious with me and being like no okay and then um and so i think one of your points should have been freedom without presence is neglect <laughs> i'm sorry okay i'm sorry sorry and then um I have to start over now because you need. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, our, let me reverse. Our garden. <laughs> and we have. I'm trying to think now because you lost my train of thought. For our garden to flourish. Yeah. Um,. We have freedom. Yes. Because we have the presence of God. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why we have freedom. Mm. Right? Why we have freedom in general is because we have presence. Wow. What like grace is truly the presence of God that mm. gives us freedom. Mm. Like without it we have law. Mm. Without it we have limits Mm -hmm. but with the presence we have freedom because now we have this constant access to communication wow that then guides us rather than these laws man that's so good right so the garden they had the presence that gave them they had it says god walked with them in the garden Right. The presence of God was with them in the garden, mm. which I think was what gave them freedom. Wow! Because it says honestly, God walked with them in the garden. That's so good every day or whatever, right? Like it was like He was always, you know, it was like it was like the routine. God was there. Wow! And that's why they had the freedom they had. It's so good. And everything changed after, like, the fall, like, all that. It's like the, the shift in the dynamic. Wow. Now the presence isn't there in the same way anymore. In the same way. In the yeah. same way anymore. It's like there's like a... What it is is later on, Jesus referred to it, Paul referred to it, the weight. The yeah. weight of sin. Yeah. And when people live under weight of stress or shame. whatnot, the weight of shame. Yeah. The weight of, uh, you know, anxiety, all of those things. Yeah. Honestly, 
think think when are you when when am i the most free the last time you and i were the most free i would say was disneyland uh-huh with our kids the whole week we had finances taken care of we had food taken care of our kids health were mostly taken care of like we were free from a lot of the stresses that we live with that we the weight of our life and we had the freedom to fully enjoy our vacation Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what weight does is weight restricts freedom yeah maybe disneyland is the garden of eden (laughs) we found it (laughs) we got it god we got it anaheim california you thought you could hide it from (laughs) us oh man such a good episode such a good date yeah babe thanks for uh going on the date with me loth yeah, anytime. Your teaching was so good. Oh, that's nice. And uh, I hope that everybody remembers. I think it'd be a good, good thing to. I have a good point that you could add in a sermon one time. Okay, babe. A good point would be freedom without presence is neglect. And <laughs> You're stupid. I think it's a good idea. Just copyright Joey Sauce 2023. Yes. So annoying. Um, but yeah, we love you guys. Like and subscribe if you haven't. And man, I ran into a homie today. Shout out to who you know who you are. I'm not going to name drop because you're kind of famous. But uh, <laughs> shout out to all the people that are listening, all you daters. We'll catch you later for the 19th episode. But we're going to log wow. off because Hannah's got to go to work. Yeah. She's working on the midnight hour. Midnight shift. The night shift. Like a baller. Yeah. Signing off. <laughs> Have a good night. And bye. Later.